All right, this, all right. You guys are in a competition now because first service was responsive, awake, and those were early birds. So you have no excuse today. Yes? Well, great to have you this morning. If you're joining us for the first time here at the congregation, welcome. Great to have you this morning. And those of you watching us online, great to have you joining us this morning. Uh, this morning, I um, want to say uh, we have a lot to cover today. We do. Um, but uh, it's going to, we're going to have some fun, okay? We're going to have some fun studying the Word of God together, and, the, uh, and we'll go from there. Today, I am utterly excited. I think exciting, the word excitement is kind of like an understatement. And here is why. We are starting our new series called Parables. So Parables of Jesus. We're going to be spending next 11 weeks uh, studying and some of the parables that actually Jesus spoke. And today we're actually kicking off in this series. And so we have a lot to talk about today from the background information to why we should study the parables and all sorts of kind of things. But I hope you guys are engaged today. You guys have to follow me along because I'm going to talk a lot of information today. Um, so just follow along, and then we'll go from there, okay? The purpose of the parable, let's begin with this. The purpose of the parable series is to connect the stories of the kingdom of God to our everyday lives. Open your Bible this morning to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read from verse 1 through 23. If you don't have a Bible, you can look at the screen behind me. So here we go. Let's get into the Word. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitude were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on the stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground, and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears 
lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. This, therefore, verse 18, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside, but he who received the seed on stony places. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Today, we are beginning our series in parables, and today's specific parable is divided into three sections. Number one, Jesus giving the parables. Second, Jesus giving the purpose of the parable. And finally, Jesus explaining the parable itself. And so my job to explaining the parable will be quite short because Jesus already explained it. But there are so many things that we can actually learn from today's parable. We have to pay extra careful attention as we read or study the Word of God together today. Today, before I begin, though, even before going to text, there's one thing that I have to share with you. It is so important that without talking about this, next 11 weeks you will suffer if, you don't, if I don't talk about it. And that is, it's one of the things that we need to know and understand, which is the historical, cultural context of the Bible. Now, that might sound too much information to you this morning. What is historical cultural context? What you and I have to understand today, this morning, is that the Bible that was written 2,000, I mean, that was written about Jesus 2,000 years ago, was written to the people, a specific people, at a specific time that had a specific worldview and had different struggles than you and I today which means we probably interpret the world quite differently than how they interpret the world. I can assure you that even today, when we are reading a parable, you probably recognize that none of us, unless there is one, we actually had one in the first service, actually do farming. Any farmers in the house? None. Okay, good. Proves my point. We're city dwellers. We live in a concrete jungle. We don't know anything about farming. Yes? 
How many farmers? Do you understand anything that's actually happening in this story? Somewhat, I'm sure, can make a sense of because Jesus actually explained the parable to us so you don't have to think too much. But just to assure you, the first century or the 2,000 years ago, what they actually experienced, the farming, the agricultural life, is part of their life. Especially the multitude that you see here that were coming to Jesus to hear the word, understood farming completely. Not one person probably in that crowd did not understand actual farming, about sowing, the agriculture that was in front of them. They understood that very well. But what if we try to approach without the historical, cultural context is that we can take the Scripture out of the context, which is the problem of today, today's culture and Christianity. We take the Scripture out of context because we did not do the due diligence of studying the background information first. We have to be careful studying the depth and the details of what individual, especially 2,000 years ago, people have experienced. J. Julius Scott, in the uh, Jewish background of the New Testament, said it this way, We serious modern readers must not take the first century background lightly. We need to understand a journey into the land in which we are strangers, the land of those to whom the gospel first came. Then we may return to our time and place and better understanding and better prepared to live and proclaim. We have to know the historical cultural context in in order to understand the actual parables that we are going to be discussing for next 11 weeks. We have to understand, first of all, some of the historical cultural context that I would like to give you this morning of the text that we read is, number one, a geographical setting. This story is taking place in the Capernaum, the city where Jesus' headquarters was located. And this is where Jesus actually does many of the teachings. He actually goes to the synagogues, which is by the shore. We can actually go there even today. The remaining of the archaeologists actually found there was an actual synagogue. And we know that Jesus taught in the synagogue, but you have to understand that even in that time, in the Jesus' time, because of his fame, you don't find them in the synagogue. You see them where? Outside. Sure, where the multitude can actually hear Jesus. Geologically, also this area, the Sea of Galilee, is made up of a basalt or lava stones. You have to understand that thousands of years ago, there was some volcanic activities. And because of that, there is a, a, a Sea of Galilee was formed actually due to the volcanic activities. And the stones that are made up, the Sea of Galilee all around, matter of fact, you can go there today, this basalt rock everywhere. And so a lot of the building and the structure that was at that time was built on or with the basalt stones. Why does this matter? Because without first approaching or understanding geological or even the geographical setting, we can make a sense of the story quite otherwise. For example, Farming, you might think, okay, none of the farmers used to think of it this way. Farming, luscious, lots of water, different things, ground that has to be tilled, so and so. But in 
the Galilee, the Sea of Galilee area, the, the, the land is rich with soil. It's full of minerals because of the volcanic ash and different things it's make up of. It's, the soil is rich. So if you're actually doing some agriculture in Galilee, you're going to bear a lot of fruit. But here's the thing. It's a lot of work. And here's why. Because the area was volcanic, there are volcanic stones everywhere. So for you to actually do some farming, do some agriculture, first thing you have to do is remove the stones. Removing the stone is the number one thing the farmer actually has to do, even before planting the seed. And you may be wondering, Pastor G, what's that got to do with anything about today? It actually does. Later on, you'll find that a farmer actually is taking a lot of responsibility. It's not just about sowing, but preparing the soil, which we will talk a little bit about today, the responsibility of a farmer to first till the ground and make the soil ready for you to plant the seed. Everybody's okay? Okay. So let's go to the text now. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him. So we know that at this time, in junction of Jesus' ministry, his fame was all throughout the region. Hundreds and thousands have heard about this rabbi or the teacher or even the miracle worker that healed the sick, cast out the demons, but also the teaching was unique and they have, is something that never they never ever heard. And what is this that people were drawn to Jesus? What was so unique about Jesus' teaching that were different than the modern day at that time, that time the modern that time when they're actually hearing from other rabbis? What was so unique about him? I believe it's very clear that Jesus, compared to other rabbis at that time, one thing that's different from other, first of all, he was son of God, obviously, but he taught with such an authority that people was intrigued. What or who teaches like this? I never heard such thing anybody teach this way. And the reason being is simple. At that time in the first century, the rabbis or the scribe, when they teach the scripture, this is how it will go. You guys ready? According to Rabbi Abraham and according to Rabbi Akiva, so, so, and so. Every statement the rabbi, the teaching, will begin with somebody else's authority. Everybody's good? Yeah. Following along? Jesus comes and said it this way. Again, I say to you, who are you? What is this authority? Who gives this authority? And Jesus never shies away. He had a such demeanor and authority about himself when he speak. They're grasp. They're paying attention. Because there's something unique about the kingdom of God that Son of God is teaching to the masses. And so people come and come and come because they cannot get enough of it. And this is what the Word of God does. You are drawn, the Word of God, it draws you, and you want more and more and more. 
because there's something about the Word that draws our soul and our inner being to hunger and thirst for God. It truly does. He got into the boat and said, it was so crowded, think of it this way, the multitude, hundreds and thousands of people are there to hear Jesus. It was so crowded that he actually had to go on the boat so that he can teach the masses that are on the shore. That's how famous Jesus has become at this time. Then he spoke, verse 3, many things to them in parables. So this is the first time the parable appears, the word. So what is parable? According to Thomas Lee and David Black, they put it this way, parable is a story from daily life used to illustrate a spiritual truth. It confronts people with a radical demand about Jesus. It clarifies the exclusive nature of the call to follow him. Leon Morris continues, Jesus used the method apparently in order to convey his teaching vividly and to stimulate his hearers to think, with the result that those who apply themselves learn to their profit, whereas those who do not never find the truth Jesus is teaching. The use of parable teaches not only the lesson of the individual parable, but also the importance of thinking about spiritual things. This is the parable that Jesus is opening up to not only to the multitude, but also his disciples. And the parable, this is one of the uh, seven parables that Jesus is going to go one after the other, but this is the first one. But today's lesson, the today's teaching is critical. I say the most important for one reason, because Jesus actually gives the purpose behind the parable, the why, the answering of the why. Why does Jesus teach in parable, which he will talk about today? In verse 3 continues, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Whenever the word behold appears in the scripture, this is not a philosophical saying. This is some uh, uh, fascinating thoughts or, or some intellectual idea where uh, Jesus will say, Behold. Nothing like that at all. Jesus was very practical. When he's actually saying the word behold, he's literally pointing at something. The behold also means very clearly, look. Look at it. And so, in a way, if you look at this scripture, the behold of sower went out to sow, you have to picture that there is actually a farmer going to his field with a full of seed on his pockets or the baskets that are about to go plant the seed, the ground that he's going to. He's very practical at this time. He's not making things up. He's not ideating at this time. Very practical. He sees it. He's pointing at it. And all the people that are listening understood exactly what Jesus is saying here. And why is that? Because they see him walking right through the farming field. And so people are probably wondering, oh, he's a, okay, there he is. Okay, let's see what Jesus teaches at this time. But you have to understand, though, the masses, the multitude that were there understood clearly what this farmer is about to go plant. The text actually does not give us what he was planting. 
And even when you actually read this portion of the Scripture, you may wonder, at least I did, is that this is one careless farmer. Let me think about it. He's dropping seed all over the place, right? Am I the only one that thinks that way? Maybe I am. Maybe I'm just that crazy. But I'm thinking, man, you're, what are you doing with all those seeds? Every seed matters. Don't you want those seeds to be planted in a good ground so it can grow and you can produce fruit? Why are you wasting? Why are you dropping these seeds all over the place? It's as if the farmer's walking around and like, oh, I just don't care what I'm doing. I'm just going to put the seed all over the place. Well, that's one way to look at it. But I believe that there is an answer to this, which is there are two grains that we're thinking about here as far as planting the seed. We believe that it's either wheat, which I highly doubt that it can be a wheat. And I can prove it to you. When you actually plant a wheat, you plant one at a time. One seed, two seed at a time. There's another grain that's mentioned in the biblical time is barley. When you plant a barley, it's not single individual seed, but it is spreading the seed as you walk, you are spreading it all over the place because that's how you actually plant barley. And so we can clearly see that this farmer is not careless at all. He's actually doing his planting duties. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's sowing barley, okay? Now, I cannot 100% guarantee that, so that's just according to G. Okay, so if we come back and somebody, who there said that was actually a barley, uh, then you can say, well, my pastor actually said it. <laughs> Very important. And as he so, now we know that some are falling on the wayside. It can happen, right? Because you are spreading it all over the ground, so some will actually fall on the wayside. But it's not the sower's fault that is falling intentionally, but he's just spreading as much as possible in order that you may produce crops. The second one is a stony place. We know that there are a lot of stones. As I mentioned earlier, the whole Galilee region is full of a bazaar stone. For you to actually do any kind of agriculture, matter of fact, when you go there today, Israel today, there's all around the Sea of Galilee is actually agriculture today. There are many different uh, agriculture that are being done today because the land, the, the soil is so fertile that you can actually plant just about anything. And because of the, 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 the climate and, and because it's below the sea level, it creates this greenhouse effect all throughout the year. And so you can actually have a good produce coming from the Sea of Galilee. One of the best banana I ate actually is from Sea of Galilee. I'm not making that up either. I mean, they actually grow bananas. There was no banana in the biblical time, though. Get that straight, okay? All right. And then, so verse 7, the sun fell among thorns, and obviously we know that there are some fell on the good ground. We know that what is the result of a good ground, which means it produces fruit. Everybody's good, yes? This is the, pretty much the background of this information. But now, here's the problem. All of a sudden, Jesus go into this other conversation about the parable itself. Why is that? Because disciples actually came and asked, why do you speak to them in parables? Why? And he answered to them and said, because it has been given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom 
of heaven. If you are writing notes, if you actually have a Bible with you, I want you to underline that verse. For my, please do it. To me, this is one of the most important verses of the Bible that we do not take seriously. I truly believe. And here is why. I think about John 1.12. He said, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. It has a similar connotation of when believers put their faith in Jesus, there is a, some type of a gift that's been given. We know that Jesus is the greatest gift that ever given by God, but now we have a, also have a right, or there is a gift that God gives to the believers. And what is that gift? To be able to understand the Word of God. That, my friend, is the one of the greatest treasures that you hold today. And if you don't know about that treasure, then we do need to talk about it. Here's the thing. I don't care how many doctorate degree you hold. I do not care if you're intellectual at the fullest measure. Without faith in God, you will never understand. And so much so, you hear the St. Augustine of the 4th century church father said it this way, unless you believe, you will not understand. And that is not to say that we discredit or disregard the people that don't understand, but hear me out, you have been given a gift that the world has not been given. People, even if with all the degrees and intellectualism, without faith, I'll be very clear with you, without faith, you cannot understand the Word. Now, that might sound a little harsh, but that is what the Word actually gives us. It also reminds us that the exclusivity of Christian faith. To them, because he says, to you it has been given, but he also says, to them it's not been given. So Christianity, I know it probably offends you some, Christianity is, one, is also a very exclusive religion. And here's why. It's not because we don't want to be inclusive. That's nothing at all. Here is what Jesus said in John. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here's the following verse, which we rarely quote. No one comes to the Father but through me. If that is not exclusive, I don't know what it is. There's only one way to God. There is no multiple way to God. In Christian faith, we believe that Jesus is the way. There's no other way. In verse 12, for whoever has him, has to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance, and whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. For those who believe, more understanding of the mystery of the kingdom, but not so with those who do not believe. Verse 13, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And now, all of a sudden, Jesus starts to quote in the book of Isaiah one of the prophecy that actually has been given to Isaiah in chapter 6 of Isaiah. And this is what he says. In them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, 
and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. One thing that I want to mention, what is not quoted here, Isaiah asks, Lord, how long? How long shall I share the word this way? That, that, that the task, the my task, this difficult task that he has accepted, Isaiah has accepted, to say in a such a way that they cannot understand. I mean, just think about it. If you are intellectual, you're trying to explain something to someone, but you have to say it in a riddle. Or you have to say in a mysticist way that they will not understand. You see, what Jesus is doing here is a continuation of this prophecy. But here's the good news for you and me. is the following verse, verse 16, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear, did not hear it. 800 years later, after the Isaiah prophecy, here comes Jesus. And this is what he's saying. It's fulfilled. It's fulfilled. I fulfilled it. Now there is a way for you to hear the word of God and understand because what? Me. Because of Jesus. Because what he has done on the cross, the sacrificial atonement, Dying on the cross, resurrecting on the third day, ascending into the heavens, seated at the right hand of God, now in the mediator, interceding for you and me, now we can hear God. Praise the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is your greatest teacher that can give you and teach you the things that you cannot perceive without faith. You need the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you can try, you can hold the degrees, but you will not understand. The privilege of a believer to hear and understand is not only the right of a believer, but it's also a privilege that you and I have to take it seriously. This is not something that we can take it lightly as if we don't need it. Oh, you know, I, I have this, but are you using it? First of all, are you even aware of the gift that you have? Yeah. This amazing gift, the prophets of old and the righteous have longing. Now it is here. Blessed are your eyes for they see. Now here's the parable, today's parable. There is a two audience that is playing here. Number one is a media audience, who, which is the multitude. But also there is another crowd, which is the disciples. First, Jesus is sharing to the multitude of people. And then later on, he's sharing to his intimate friends, to his disciples and disciples alone. And he shares a parable. Sower went out to sow. Now, let's stop there for a second. It's not just the seed that's being talked about here, but it's also the sower. So all of us in this room, we have a responsibility to sow the Word. 
to the world, to the soil, whichever it may be, you are responsible to sow the word of God in the people. It's not up to you to choose which soil you want to plant the seed. That means people that don't believe, people that curse at God, people that is distant away from God, people that are Christianettes, whoever it may be, your job as a sower is to sow the word. You have to sow the word. You cannot stop in this world without sowing the word every single day. It's our responsibility to sow the word. But now, here is those who are hearing the word. Obviously, the first one is the one who hears the word but does not understand, and the wicked one comes and snatches it away. And these are the people that have no faith. They might hear it, they don't understand it, and because it does not align with the faith, enemy comes, snatches away. The second one is a stony ground. Now, the stony ground is interesting. It's because they hear the word, but immediately receive it with joy. And I believe that this last three is actually talking about the believer. But as I mentioned earlier, the soil of your ground must be cultivated. The stones must be taken out. You see, what stone does is it crowded the soil. You can't plant anything. Endure for a while because there's no root. When tribulation and persecution rises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. What a tragic story. So much potential. But because of a tribulation persecution of the word. And the lastly, seed among thorns. Let's pause for a second. Cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And I think about in Romans, Paul said to the Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you trust in Jesus? Do you trust Him? Then why you worry? Don't you think that He knows your struggles? If we have placed our faith in Jesus, let us walk in faith. Whatever we encounter in this world, let us trust Him, even when circumstances does not allow us to do so. Let's make sure that our faith and our trust is in God, that the Word of God will not be hindered. few things before I end. Let me ask you this question. What are you going to do with the gift? You see, after this service today, you are going to go about your way. But I want you to remember what you heard today. That to you, it has been given. This gift has been given. Now you recognize that you have this gift your call. You decide what you want to do with that gift. Second, 
Are you cultivating the soil of your heart? And I believe that cultivating the soils of our heart is a personal responsibility. This is something that we have to do. And I search the scripture and I, I find that there is no easy way. There's no easy way for us to cultivate the soil of our heart. But there is a way. And here is what Paul tells Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, he's tell, he says, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. It is through spiritual discipline we prevent ourselves from getting away from our path. It is through spiritual discipline we remove the stones and stumbling blocks of our hearts. It is through spiritual discipline that we remove the thorns and put our trust in God. And lastly, I know I spoke a lot to those of you who believe, but I do not want to end today's service for those who do not know God, that do not know Jesus. You see, again, I said earlier, the prophet Isaiah, with this difficult task in hand, asked the Lord, how long? How long until the way, the truth and life reveals, enter the scene? You can know God. If you're willing to put your trust and your faith in Jesus. And that is the only way. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Obey. Listen and obey the voice of the Lord today. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for granting us the gift of life. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. There's nothing we could possibly do to earn the salvation. But you have given us the way to you. The broken relationship that happened in the beginning. Oh, Jesus, you came to restore their relationship. We thank you for the going to the cross. Thank you for making the way. We worship you. We honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen.